The day began at five to seven when the alarm clock given to Phyllis by her mother when she started service went off, and on and on and on until she quenched it. Edna, in the other creaking iron bed, groaned and heaved over, hunching herself against the wall. Even in summer, she hated getting up, and in the winter, Phyllis sometimes had to haul the bedclothes off her. She sat up, unclipped her hairnet, and began undoing her curlers. It was her half day, and she'd washed her hair. She got out of bed, picked the eiderdown off the floor where it had fallen in the night, and drew the curtains. Sunlight refurbished the room, making toffee of the linoleum, turning the chips on the white enamel wash hand jug slate blue. She unbuttoned her winsiet nightdress and washed as her mother had taught her to do face, hands, and circumspectly under her arms with a flannel dipped in the cold water. Get a move on, she said to Edna. She poured her slops into the pail and began to dress. In her underclothes, she removed her nightdress and slipped on her dark green cotton morning dress. She put her cap over her unbrushed out sausage curls and tied the apron round her waist. Edna, who washed much less in the mornings, managed to dress while still half in bed, a relic of the winter. There was no heat in the room, and they never in their lives opened the window. By ten past seven, they were both ready to descend quietly through the sleeping household. Phyllis stopped on the first floor and opened a bedroom door. She drew the curtains and heard the budgerigar shifting impatiently in his cage. Miss Louise, it's a quarter past seven. Oh, Phyllis, you asked me to call you. Is it a nice day? It's ever so sunny. Take Ferdy's cloth off. If I don't, you'll get up all the quicker. In the kitchen, the basement, Edna had already put on the kettle and was setting their cups on the scrub table. Two pots of tea were to be made, the dark brown one with stripes for the maids, and a cup taken up by Edna for Emily, the cook, and the white Minton now set out on a tray with its matching cups and saucers, milk jug and sugar bowl for upstairs. The early morning tea for Mr and Mrs Cazalet was Phyllis's job. She would then collect all the coffee cups and glasses from the drawing room, which Edna would have started to air and clean. First, however, there was their own scalding cup of strong Indian. It was china for upstairs, which Emily said she couldn't even abide the smell of, let alone drink. They drank it standing before the sugar was even stirred to melting point. How's your spot? Phyllis felt the side of her nose cautiously. Seems to be going down a bit. Good thing I didn't squeeze it. I told you. Edna, who did not have them, was the authority on spots. Her advice, copious, free and contrary, was all the same comforting. It showed an interest, Phyllis felt. Well, this won't make us millionaires. Nothing would, Edna thought gloomily. And even though she had troubles with her complexion, Phyllis had all the luck. Edna thought Mr Cazalet was lovely, really, and she never saw him in his pyjamas, like Phyllis did every morning. The moment Phyllis had shut the door, Louise jumped out of bed and took the bird's cloth off his cage. He hopped about in mock alarm, but she knew that he was pleased. 
Her room, which faced the back garden, got a little of the morning sun which she felt was good for him, and his cage was on the table in front of the window beside the goldfish tank. The room was small and crammed with her possessions. Her theatre programmes, the rosettes and two very small cups she had won at Gymkhana's, her photograph albums, her little boxwood chest with shallow drawers in which she kept her shell collection, her china animals on the mantelpiece, her knitting on the chest of drawers, together with her precious tangy lipstick that looked bright orange but came out pink on the mouth, Pond's cold cream and a tin of Californian poppy talc powder, her best tennis racket, and above all, her books that ranged from Winnie the Pooh to her newest and most prized acquisitions, two Fiden Press volumes of reproductions of Holbein and Van Gogh, currently her two favourite painters.